You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org. This morning, so glad you're here. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Isaiah 53. This morning, I want us to have an encounter with Jesus as our healer. You know, Jesus is your healer. He is. He revealed himself as that 2,000 years ago. Before Jesus stepped on the planet, God revealed himself to Israel as Yahweh Rapha. The Lord is our healer. And I want us to encounter that in a fresh way this morning as we continue this series, Authentic Fire. We're just really pressing in to experience the authentic power of God in our generation, in our neighborhood, uh, here in our church family. We would settle for nothing less than God's best than what God purchased for us on the cross. And so this morning, we're going to talk about healing. You all ready? We're going to talk about healing. It's going to be good. Um, We have been unpacking a lot of topics over the last several weeks in the series Authentic Fire that um, aren't oftentimes talked about, and a lot of people avoid talking about them, specifically the miraculous and the power of God and miracles and um, healing. A lot of people avoid talking about them, even though they're so prevalent through both the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they avoid them because oftentimes throughout church history, people have embraced them and gone off into weird things and error. And, um, and so there's this potential. You just kind of say, okay, well, we'll just avoid that, and we'll just kind of tear out a bunch of pages of the Bible, and we'll just focus on what we can understand, what we, what we can wrap our minds around. And um, I just I don't want to settle for that. I feel like there's too much of the precious promises of God here in this word that I want us to contend for and believe for in our generation. And I believe that's the message the world around us needs to hear. They, they, they need a relevant message of hope and of power for transformation that means something for the brokenness that we all find ourselves surrounded by every single day. And so that's what we're pressing into. And so uh, throughout this series, there's been two guardrails that have kept us centered from um, helping us not veer into the ditch, <laughs> veer off, off the rails into all sorts of weird error and, um, and false teachings. And, and the, the simple guardrails are this. Jesus is our affection, and Jesus is our example. Jesus is our affection, and Jesus is our example. If we, if we fo- keep focused on that, we will continue to walk this straight and narrow, and we will continue to press in and see an authentic, an authentic move of God in our generation. So Jesus is our affection as our healer. Let's look at this in Isaiah 53. This is one of those beautiful prophecies about our Messiah, about King Jesus. Hundreds of years before he stepped foot on the planet, this is what the prophet Isaiah said about this one and what he would accomplish on the cross. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All of that was included in what Jesus did on the cross. Brought you peace, first and foremost, peace with the Father, with the Holy God. It also means a a peace that surpasses understanding in our inner person. It also means redemption and forgiveness of sins, a new start, a new beginning, being born again. But there's, there's an aspect here included in the cross, included in the atonement, that's oftentimes neglected in the church. There's been a, been a, a, a revival, a renewal in the last hundred years, but it's the aspect of healing. It's by his stripes 
we are healed by his wounds. What he went to the cross for was to purchase back our full redemption of our sins, but also the healing of our bodies. And Jesus demonstrated that to us. And so we look upon Jesus on the cross and we see this one who poured out his life for us, poured out his love for us. And he paid a high price for us, yes, to be forgiven, but for us also to be healed. My wife uh, was a part of a garage sale this last weekend. She teamed up with some, some other moms here in the church and they, they pulled off a garage sale and, and ladies just come alive with garage sales, you know? And so my wife was loving it and she was in heaven um, connecting with people all over the city in this garage sale. And but, you know, garage sales are funny things. You'll find some things at garage sales that are, they've, they've been well used and they're kind of coming to the end of their life, but the, the owner is like, there's still a little life left in this thing, this little guy. So they put it out there and they get their 50 cents for their item. But the, every, every once in a while at a garage sale, you'll find an item that is pretty well new. It's like unused, sometimes even with the, the original price tag on it. And someone paid a high price for that item. And there it sits and someone else gets to discover it. I feel like for the last 2,000 years, part of what Jesus purchased on the cross has been largely neglected. It's been unused. We haven't tapped into it. And it's this message of healing and hope. And all the more in the midst of, of this current day and age in which we live in a, in a global pandemic, the church needs to rise up. And we've been contending for that in, in our church, that this would be called a, a hospital for the sick. This would be called a house of healing uh, here in Ames and in our region in Story County. Because Jesus is our affection. That's what he purchased for us on the cross. The high price but Jesus is also our example, and we, I believe the church needs to return back to this, where Jesus becomes our example. Rather than making excuses, we look to him and we, we rediscover what the early church, what their call to called arms was, was, hey, we're going to follow our King Jesus, Messiah, the way he did it. Hey, he laid his hands on the sick and he told us to go do the same, so we're going to stop making excuses, we're going to go do it. Just look at uh, Acts chapter 10. This is the the call of the early church is, as Peter is proclaiming the gospel, that's what he does. He points to Jesus as the example for them. Jesus did it, and therefore we're going to do it like him. Verse 38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. So we are witnesses of the way Jesus did things and the way he proclaimed this kingdom that's, that's near. And this one who came and did good and, and healed the sick proclaimed healing to those who are oppressed by the devil. He's our example. And so as a church family, we're gonna keep it simple. Jesus is our affection and he's our healer. So he's our affection. We're, just, we're so enamored with this one. And he's revealed himself, and he purchased for us on the cross healing. And he is our example. He went and healed the sick, and he said, hey, these same works you're going to do in my name. Actually, even greater works than these you're going to do in my name when I leave. And we're going to stop making excuses. Jesus is our affection. Jesus is our example. I come to you this morning with, with a pastor's heart. Like understanding, as I, I, I've talked with so many people about Scripture and then our experiences, and oftentimes the huge divide. I understand that many times people have experienced 
some wonky, weird things in the name of healing. And I want to apologize for that. That's not God's heart. Some people have felt manipulated in the name of healing. Some people have felt like a prop. Some people have been prayed for for healing and left feeling like being that they didn't experience healing, that it somehow it was their fault because their lack of faith, their unbelief, that somehow they were deficient. I'm sorry this morning. I want you to give God a fresh chance for you to encounter him as healer. This is what he purchased for us on the cross. Let's press in and, and give it a chance. Like press past like the error and the, the, the bad experiences and press into Jesus in a fresh way like a child. And that's where we're going to go this morning. This is going to be a call for childlikeness. For us to, to press into this authentic fire of God, this authentic power of God with a childlikeness. Or receptive to all that he has for us. Pressing past the clutter, the error, people mishandling things, people messing things up. Uh, and pressing in for all that God has for us. I grew up uh, in the church. Second generation Christian. My, my parents encountered the Lord in high school. And they ended up coming to a, a Bible preaching church for the first time. As like young people, college students, freshly married. And so they raised me in this church. And throughout my time growing up in the church, you know, we didn't have a, a perfect family. I've shared my family's testimony before. We were ravaged by alcoholism and suicide and drug abuse and fighting, all that stuff. Um, but I still was in the church and around the church. And there were pockets within that where I just saw these snapshots of the power of God. It's like somebody experienced a healing in their body. Some life transformed, like, like an addict or some, somebody who's far away from God, they're transformed by God. I saw the testimony of my own father. And, and over time, then I went into college, I we experienced an amazing move of God on the campus of North Dakota State. Hundreds of students coming to know Jesus. It's like there was something pricked in my heart that pushed me to Scripture. To say, wow, God, this is, this is, these snapshots are more closely aligned with what I read in Scripture than what we've oftentimes embraced, embraced in the Western church as normal Christian, Christianity. Instead, I see these miraculous moments and these mighty displays of the power of God to be the normal for the Christian life according to the New Testament. And so it's, it's caused me just to press in. It's caused me to say, God, I want all that you have for us. I, want, I, want to, I don't want to settle for anything less than what you have for us. So I believe there's a lot at stake. I believe it's the word of God and even, even how we view God is all at stake when it comes to this, um, our understanding and the truth of healing. So there's specifically, I believe there's three attributes of God that I believe are at stake when it comes to our understanding of the truth regarding healing and its inclusion in the atonement. The fact that when Jesus went to the cross, he also purchased for us our healing. I believe there's three attributes of God that are proclaimed or that proclaim Jesus as healer and that are at stake. I believe if we embrace wrong teaching about healing, we also embrace a lower view of God. And in these three, uh, in these three regards, in these three, these three aspects, first is that God is all powerful. That's right. It's news, news to you, maybe. God is all-powerful, king of the universe. He spoke it all into being. The sound of his voice, it all came into existence. All matter and energy of the universe was spoken into existence by the sound of his voice. He's in need of no one. He's, in, he's not dependent on anybody. He is King Jesus, uh, God of all. He's all-powerful. But there are some that they, they would embrace wrong teaching regarding healing, and they'd say, you know, well, Salvation is really the ultimate miracle. Therefore, I'm just gonna, we're just going to talk about salvation of the human heart, the human soul, of our eternal spirit, and we're not going to talk about healing, physical healing. 
because the, the greatest miracle is salvation. I mean, that's actually a lesser view of God's omnipotence, of his being all-powerful, because if he's all-powerful, and obviously he can accomplish salvation of a human heart, he saved a wretch like me, like literally. The fact that he can save me gives me faith that he can heal a human body. Like, it's actually flipped. It's the counter. The fact that he can heal uh, the, the human heart and forgive us of our sins means that he can heal he, he can heal us of cancer or arthritis or he can raise somebody from a wheelchair because he's all-powerful. Because he can work salvation of a human soul, he can heal a human body. He's all-powerful. And we need to raise our view of his omnipotence, of the fact that he's all-powerful. Second is God is good. This was just reiterated to me, second service during worship. I had this big smile on my face as I was kneeling uh, during first service um, just feeling like the Lord was telling me, people need to hear that he is good. On this Father's Day, you know, do you know that you have a good father in heaven? He's really good. Most people don't know that. Most people don't hear that. You have a good father in heaven, but he is good. And oftentimes we embrace wrong uh, thoughts and ideas about healing that, are, that I would say are, that, that impact this, this attribute of God's goodness. It's like God is somehow bringing about discipline in our lives through sickness. Like some, he's a part of some sort of cosmic um, child abuse. Now, are we children of God? Yes or no? Well, he's a good father. And we, just like we wouldn't enact sickness upon our own kids, God, our heavenly father, is not going to enact sickness upon us. We're attributing to God what is of the enemy. And we see that clearly in the ministry of Jesus. Never once do you see Jesus putting upon his father sickness. Instead, everywhere he goes, he goes about doing good and healing all those oppressed by the devil. It's very clear. But somehow, in our wanting to explain certain difficult mysteries, we put on God what's of the enemy. God is good. And he purchased for us healing on the cross And that's what Jesus emphatically declared through his ministry. And I believe the church needs to to just, we need to raise our awareness of the spiritual dynamics that are at play that are oftentimes inflicting people with all sorts of pain and sickness. And third is God is sovereign. He's beautifully wise, perfectly wise, sovereign, king of all that can bring about a beautiful plan of redemption. And oftentimes, People embrace wrong views of healing and therefore embrace a very low view of God's sovereignty. And what God's sovereignty ends up being this, this guise for, um, kind of a disguise for, or kind of a lazy escape from pressing in as a child of God and taking God at his word. We say, oh, it's, it's just God's sovereignty that um, if, if God wants me to pray for this person, you know, I mean, he can heal this person regardless whether or not I pray for them. If God wants me to be healed, he'll heal me because of his sovereignty. But no, God's sovereignty, he weaves together in perfect harmony these calls for our obedience and prayer and his redemptive plan that he's going to bring about on the earth. He's bringing about a beautiful redemptive plan, but he also invites us into it. He invites us into this plan of redemption. And as children of God, we have the opportunity to be obedient and to pray, to step out in faith. And it's a beautiful harmony. They're not, in, they're not in competition with one another. So that actually heightens our view of God's sovereignty. He can, work about, he can work about his plan of redemption with or without us. And the multiplicity of scenarios that could un- unravel as a result of our obedience or disobedience, he can bring about his plan of redemption. That's God's sovereignty. And it's a higher view of God's sovereignty. 
then somehow throwing under the, the guise of God's sovereignty our pain and our suffering. He's made his revealed will very clear. So I want to address then that question more. So I want to go a little bit more into this, this uh, idea of God's sovereignty. Because I would say that this question about is it God's will to heal is one of the most pressing questions that impacts how we live out our life Monday through Sunday uh, in regards to this, this truth of healing. Because if it's God's will to heal, would we not have more faith to pray for our neighbor or our spouse or our kids or, or anybody we encounter if we knew it was God's will to heal? And likewise, if we're, if we're really uncertain about it, we're like, well, I don't know if I want to mess with that. If, if, if it's God's will, you know, he can do it if he wants. And then we kind of put it under the, under the guise of sovereignty. So this question is really, really important. Is it God's will to heal? And I would say something that brings a little clarity to that question is actually changing the question slightly to is it God's desire to heal? Is it God's desire to heal? Because that's a little easier to answer. If we keep it at, at, is it God's will to heal? I want us to look at at the Bible um, because biblically there's two aspects of God's will. There's his revealed will, which is scripture. It's like what, what Holy Spirit has revealed to us about God's character and his ways of working on the earth. This is God's revealed will. And in regards to healing, it's emphatically clear. It's his will to heal according to his revealed will. It's by his wounds we are healed. We look to Jesus and he's more than sufficient. He is able. He reveals himself as our great physician. All the way back millennia ago, Exodus chapter 15, God reveals himself to Israel as Yahweh Rapha, the Lord is our healer. That's con- that, that continues to be emphasized. You know, Psalm 103, um, King David declares, bless the Lord, all my soul, forget not all of his benefits. He forgives all my iniquities and, and heals all my diseases. That's continued to be, continues to be repeated into the Gospels. Jesus comes. I'm the great physician. He says, you go and do likewise. Go and heal the sick to his disciples. And that becomes the anthem of the early church. It's demonstration of the kingdom through healing. So that's God's revealed will. It's pretty clear. So we have a, an opportunity. We have a responsibility. It's incumbent upon us as children of God to take God at his word, at his revealed word. This is what he's revealed to us. Are we going to respond? But there's another aspect to God's will. I think this is kind of more the crux of it and oftentimes where people um, kind of take missteps. And it's God's secret will, his sovereign will. The mysteries of the ways in which God works behind the scenes that we do not see, we we will not know. That he's beyond us in every way. He's not confined to, to time and space like we are. It's God's secret will. And R.T. Kendall says it like this, it's wrong for us to inquire of his secret will when we show contempt for what he has clearly revealed to us. So oftentimes like we neglect and we throw out the clear revelation of his will displayed through scripture because we're kind of not able to wrap our minds around so many of the mysteries of the why nots. I prayed for this person, they didn't get healed. I lost this loved one to cancer. And we get... And I'm not saying those aren't pressing questions, I mean, like important questions. You go to the Father with an authentic heart and you say, God, this is tearing me up. And that's when he reminds you of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forgot, forget not all of his benefits. But I believe oftentimes we neglect or we negate, we throw out the clear revelation, the revealed will because of these mysteries in the secret will of God. 
But we don't do that in regards to other truths that are central to the gospel, right? I mean, think about salvation. Do you ever question whether or not God wants to save your neighbor or some loved one that has yet to know Christ? You ever question that? No, you know God's heart for them. God wants them to be saved. Like Jesus was sufficient to pay for their salvation. We see that first Timothy. This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There you go. Like all people everywhere. You don't have to doubt it. You don't have to question it. He wants them to be saved. And that's, uh, that, that's the way we pray, right? We pray in faith for our friends, our loved ones to encounter God in love, for them to understand who he is, for them to, to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for a few, for just a really few, really awesome people. No, for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Second Peter says it as well. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's his heart, is that all would come to know him. All would reach repentance. All would come to the knowledge of the truth. Will all come to know Christ? Will all be saved? No. We see that in the Gospels. Jesus talks about this coming day when, uh, when he'll separate the, the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats. There's coming a day when there'll be a separation. But his desire is that all would be saved. It's that beautiful harmony between his redemptive plan that he's been uh, carrying out through humanity and our responsibility also, our free will, our uh, invitation to respond and be a part of the redemptive plan. So that's the way it is in salvation. Even in regards to our daily life, we don't question God's desires. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3 says, For this is the will of God for your life for your sanctification, that you'd flee from sexual immorality. So do you ever question whether or not God wants you to live a holy life? Like you're tempted with something. I should lie about this, lie about my taxes. No, his, you, you know his will for your life. His desire for your life is for you to be holy, for you to not do uh, these, this bad thing, right? To flee from temptation. That's, it's very simple. It's clear, clear and cut. His will in those regards, so it is with healing. His desire is that people would experience healing. First Peter chapter 2 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. And the two go hand in hand. Forgiveness of our sins and what he accomplished on the cross for our healing, they go hand in hand. So we need to heighten our faith. We need to begin to believe that God wants to heal people. That's what he purchased for us on the cross, but I get it. Like I understand. Like we all live, we're immersed in pain all around us. We've all experienced tragedy to certain degrees. And so I get it. I'm not making light of that in the least bit. I'm just calling us to be more childlike in our chasing after the father. He's such a good father. And he wants to actually maturity in the kingdom is growing in childlikeness, not childishness, but childlikeness. So I know these are like, these are common questions. So I don't minimize that in the least. There's actually an example in Matthew chapter eight where a, a leper brings that very question to Jesus. He's a leper. Like, he's been out, outcast for years. Um, and he and says in Matthew chapter 8, when, he came, when Jesus came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, if you're willing, if you want to, God, if it's your will, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. Like, I am willing 
be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Clearly, emphatically, Jesus' desire to heal. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. So we're going to respond. We're going to pray for anybody this morning that needs healing in their body. I don't minimize any pain that you've walked through in your life. I'm simply calling you to encounter Jesus in a fresh way as a Savior, as Lord, as healer. He's so good. And your, your intimate needs, your intimate experiences are not insignificant to him. Like he sees you, just like he saw the leper and his, the rejection that he carried, the pain, the discomfort that he carried. Jesus was willing to bridge that gap and touch him. Say, I'm willing. Be clean, be healed. So it is today. He wants to give you a fresh encounter with who he is. Like I said, I grew up in the church and it was when I was uh, my senior year uh, of high school, our, our lead pastor, so he was my pastor my entire life, like literally 18 years of my life. His name is Dan Rothwell. Um, he got diagnosed with colon cancer. And it was, it was just a huge hit for our church. You know, he pastored a church that was a couple thousand people, a large church, and um, he was such a man of faith, such a man of prayer. And now he's in a battle for his life. And what was his what was his response going to be? And well, he rallied, people rallied around him, the church rallied around, thousands of people around the globe were praying for this man of God for his healing. Continued to watch him decline, holding on for a miracle. And tragically, his life was snuffed short by, by cancer, and he ended up dying my senior year. And I felt like, even in my own life, like there's crossroad moments. You know, there's moments where you, you have massive decisions that are going to define the trajectory of your life and even like how you live out your beliefs. If you, this is one of those crossroad moments where you see tragedy, and I had experienced other tragedies in my life that were also significant moments, crossroads. But this was like, you know, am I going to continue to believe that God's word is true? Like it means something. And God had used Pastor Dan, my, my lead pastor, he'd used him for miracles in other cases, but now, now he didn't even experience the, the healing that he proclaimed. Like, what's going on, God? I'm not saying those questions are, are too big for God, nor am I saying he's offended by them. It's actually the age-old question. Go back to the oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job. It's like the age-old question. Like, why, God? But that very same year, you know, as I just continue to feel that like draw to scripture and say, like, at the end of the day, I'm not gonna lower my view of God. I'm not gonna lower my, my, my understanding of, of the clear testimony of scripture because of my, my experiences. That very same year, me and my wife were sitting in the front row of that very church and we saw a woman stand out of a wheelchair who's, she had been ravaged by MS for years. She stepped out of the wheelchair and walked out healthy and whole. That same year, that uh, very next year, uh, I'm a freshman in college, and my, my now wife, we weren't married then, but uh, my wife, Tanya, she, she uh, had kidney stones. She was supposed to go on a missions trip, so she was not going to be able to go on a missions trip because of her kidney stones. But for, fortunately, she had a spirit-filled, faith-filled urologist. <laughs> Praise the Lord for spirit-filled urologist, right? He ended up praying for her. There's nothing he could do for the kidney stones, and she wasn't going to be able to go on the mission trip. But he, he laid his hand on her and prayed a simple prayer in faith that she'd be healed of this. 
the kidney stones were gone, they vanished, like the ultrasounds could not find them. She was able to go on the missions trip. That, that was the very next year. It began to, I began to see that, Lord, no, there's more to this. I, I just wanna press in. Like, I don't have the answers. And I'm willing to embrace the mysteries and the ways, the, 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 the mysterious ways in which um, the dynamics that are happening behind the scenes that I will not understand, I do not understand. I'm willing to press past all that and embrace more of a childlikeness in my pursuit of the things of God. And that's where I've been. And that's what uh, has been driving a lot of, uh, even what we're contending for as a church for our city. The world needs a relevant gospel that's powerful, that means something to the things that they're facing. People that are facing cancer, that are facing broken marriages, broken relationships with their kids, facing addictions. And that's what we're gonna contend for, nothing less. We're not gonna change our message because of our bad experiences of the past. So we're gonna raise up our view of God as one who's so glorious, so powerful, so good. Would you all stand to your feet? I asked the worship team to, to play this song, King of Kings, and I just want us to have an encounter with the Lord before we go on this Father's Day and whatever you're gonna do to celebrate your, your Father. We bless you in that. But I wanna give you, before we do that, I, want, I wanna give you an opportunity to have a moment with King Jesus, the one who gave himself on the cross for you. Yes, for your forgiveness of your sins, but also for the healing of your bodies. And if there's anybody here this morning that needs a miracle, that needs healing in their bodies, we're gonna pray for you. But if everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes, I wanna give everyone an opportunity just to, to get their lives right with the Lord this morning. If you're, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, or maybe you have in the past, but this morning you'd say, yeah, Drew, my life's not right. My life's not right with God. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. I wanna give you an opportunity to surrender your life to him. And I'm asking you to raise your hand because I'm gonna call you out or embarrass you, but I just wanna know who I'm praying for. So if that's you this morning, you'd say, yeah, Drew, I need to start a relationship with God. I need to renew my relationship with God. I need a fresh start. I want to surrender my life to King Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Awesome. Anybody else? You can go ahead and put your hands down. Anybody else? If you raise your hand, or even if you didn't, honestly, it's all about your heart in this moment. You can pray this prayer anytime. In your bedroom all alone. Like you can cry out to God, and he'll meet you there. But pray like this. Lord Jesus, I come to the end of myself. So tired of trying to clean up my life by my own power. I come to the end of myself, throw myself before you as King Jesus, sufficient Savior, the one who is more than enough. I receive your forgiveness this morning, your grace and your mercy. Thank you for giving me a fresh start, for allowing me to experience this new birth, for allowing Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me. Thank you for adopting me into your family. I'm not going to turn back, Lord. From this day forward, I'm following you. From this day forward, Lord, no turning back. Amen. Praise the Lord. Secondly, if I know anytime we gather, there's, there's people that have needs, that have sickness in their bodies or things that they're walking through. And I, I this morning, just have so much faith that, that God wants to touch you, that he wants to heal you this morning. Even during worship, I was just feeling like people with chronic pain issues, God wants to touch you. That maybe there's been like a hopelessness in your heart, like this is just I, my cross to bear. This is the thing I gotta walk through the rest of my life. Well, God wants to heal you this morning. I believe that. So if you're here this morning and you need a healing in your body, you need God to do a miracle, will you just raise your hand? Yeah, 
becomes such an act of faith. Just to honor people's space and, and social distancing. I'm not gonna have us all crowd around each other and pray for each other, but I'm, I'm just gonna pray right now that God would heal you, touch your body. So if you don't have your hand raised, would you just begin to pray and intercede for those around you this morning? God, right now, we just proclaim healing upon backs. Lord, the migraines would be gone. Lord, the anxiety and depression would be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord, right now, we pray cancer be gone right now. There's no authority over these bodies, over these children of God. The children's bread is healing. So we just proclaim that over every individual. They've raised their hands in faith. They're reaching out to touch the hem of your garment. And so healer, King Jesus, Yahweh Rapha, Lord, our healer, we pray that you'd encounter them this morning in a fresh way for strength, fresh healing, no more pain, no more sickness right now in these bodies. We pray it in your mighty name. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at livethemessage.org.